0: Morning. Y'all gonna have to help me with the time because my little clock up here, I got it set, but now it's not running. It's exactly where I set it earlier. So it's not working. Welcome. And I want to call your attention to a few things. First of all, a reminder for confirmation class meets at 4 instead of 4:30 in the usual place. Because at 5 o'clock we have our big Ellen Birthday Bash, meal and entertainment and auction and I hope you're all going to come. If you haven't bought a ticket, you can buy one at the door, they're $5. A reminder also about the United Methodist Women who are having their spring luncheon next Saturday at 11.30 a.m. with a speaker from the 10,000 Villages, I mean a lot of you are aware of that organization. The tickets are $6. You can get them in the church office or from a UMW member, and you do not have to be a member of the United Methodist Women to uh, come to this luncheon. So I hope you put that on your schedule for next Saturday at 11.30. The administrative council announcement in the bulletin has been changed. It has been postponed till the 29th instead of next week, and so please make... uh, That correction will still be at 4 o'clock. Lynn, where are you? You're here somewhere. Lynn, would you stand up for a moment, please? Folks, Lynn Clark, you all know her. She's filled in for us as interim choir director after... after, Jessica retired from us, and we will be receiving our new uh, choir director next Sunday. And I wanted to take a moment to personally thank Lynn, and I know you do, for all her work that she's done uh, during this transition. She's done excellent, the choir sounds better than ever. And we just love you and thank you, and glad you're part of this church. All right, I think we are ready to go. We're ready. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Everlasting God, because of your tender mercy toward all people, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross, that all should follow the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated and let our children come forth as for our children's time.
1: Morning. How are you doing this morning? Tell me something, three weeks from this Sunday is a very special day in our church. You know what it is? You're right, it's Easter. Easter is one of the most important days in the Christian church because it's the day that Christ rose and went to heaven to be with God. Now this morning, we're going to talk about some things we see in our church. Um, On Easter Sunday, there's some things that are different. than than most Sundays. Like, you see up there where the the purple is? That becomes white on Easter Sunday. Okay? The other thing is we have some special flowers on Easter Sunday. You know what those special flowers are? They're Easter lilies. White Easter lilies. Now we're going to play a little game. I want you to look around in the church and you see if you see any Easter lilies or pictures of Easter lilies in our church. Do you see any any Easter lilies? Where do you see them, Noah? Up there way up there in the window. See them? On each side of Christ. Yeah, they are on each side. On each side of the stained glass window are Easter lilies. Those are roses. Those are roses, aren't they pretty? <laughs> anyway, those are Easter lilies way up there. Now I want to. There's something about special about those Easter lilies up there. So what I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask if the congregation will take a few minutes sometime during, um, not during the sermon, please. Sometimes during the, during the uh, service today to see if they can figure out what's special about those Easter lilies. But we're going to talk a little about Easter lilies. In the Bible, on the Sermon on the Mount, Christ told the people to to look at the lilies of the field, how they toil not, neither do they sow, but they're more beautiful than Solomon in all of his glory. Easter lilies don't work, do they? They're flowers. They don't do anything. Except they're beautiful, and God made them. There's a lot of things that we make in our world, but some of the most beautiful things that are made are made by God. Easter lilies symbolize a new beginning. They symbolize the love that God had for all of us. Now, have you ever played a game and you made a move on the game, and you wish you could take it back? And you want to do-over? Well, that's kind of what Easter is for us. Easter's a do-over. Easter is the time when we can say, God, we need a new beginning. We need to start over. We've done some things we're not very happy about in our lives, and we've said some things we shouldn't have said, and we want to do over. And Easter is the time of the year that we get a do-over. The Easter lilies remind us of that. They're white, they're pure, and they remind us of the love of God and the ability to have a do-over. Now, what do you think happens to the Easter lilies after we have them on Sunday? They're all up here, and then what happens to them? Do you think we throw them away? Well, I don't know what most people do with their Easter lilies, but I want to tell you about what I do with my Easter lilies. When I give Easter lilies to the church, I take them home and I plant them in my yard. And every year about the end of April, the first of May, all on one side of my house are dozens of Easter lilies, because they grow and they make new ones. And they are so pretty, but aside from being pretty, you know what they do? They remind me after Easter that I've had a new beginning. And they remind me of that new beginning that I need to try to do my very best because God gave his very best for me. He gave his son. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do the same thing. This morning I have for you an Easter lily to plant in your yard. Okay? And you get to take it home and plant it. So you can start your own Easter lily garden. And every year when it comes up and it blooms, you can remember how much God loves you. And how much you get a new beginning and a start all over. Okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the new beginnings. Thank you for the love you have for us. And thank you for all the beautiful things in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Our selected scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews clearly demonstrates the superiority of Christ over everyone and everything. In today's selected reading, Christ is referred to as our high priest, greater even than the Old Testament priesthood. Today's selected reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The Word of God for the people of God.
0: let us bow our heads for prayer o lord in your mercy here our prayers o lord we give thanks to you this morning your steadfast love endures throughout every generation and we who are part of the redeemed from trouble have gathered today here and across the lands of the earth we offer our praise and sing glory to your holy name we're reminded this day that you loved the world so much that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life your light has come into the world but we must confess this day that we continue in our dark deeds we act as though we love the darkness instead of the light. We humbly come before you, O Lord, this day, and we pray that you would not condemn us, that you'd be merciful to us, you'd forgive our sin, and invite us once again to live in that way which you offer so freely. Help us once more to be reminded that by grace we've been saved through faith and have been given the privilege of spreading this good news of your grace to the whole world. Send us out of here this place with the power of your Holy Spirit that we may boast of only one thing, and that is of you and your love and compassion and grace. We're reminded from the earliest days of your covenant with us that your will is that the world might be healed from its brokenness, we pray this day for all those who are involved in brokenness of mind body or spirit those who might be in the grips of addictions or wars or conflicts we pray for those who are near the gates of death and those who mourn for those who have gone before lord we pray that you'd send forth a new word that would heal and deliver and help us to accept Your good and perfect will in this and all things. Hear us, answer us, not because of our works, but because we come to You in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We united Methodists believe that giving is an act of worship. Let our ushers come forward as we continue our worship with our giving. Please be seated. Give attention to the reading of the Word of God from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27, beginning at verse 45. From the sixth hour, that's about noon, until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lama sabachthani, Which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, help us to understand and see how your agony means life for us and help us to more than just appreciate it help us to respond to it amen well we come this fourth Lenten Sunday to the fourth word of the seven words or phrases from the cross Last week, we heard Jesus entrust his mother to the disciple John and John to his mother in such a way that his mother then became a mother to us all throughout all generations. And we saw through their actions what kinds of sacrifice obedience uh, can require of a family who follows Christ. Now the statement we look at today reflects an agony, I think, that we have not previously seen. I believe this statement shows the complete mental and spiritual distress that Jesus found himself in at that precise moment in time. For I believe that it was at this moment that the Father turned away so that the sins could be thrust upon Christ, the sins of the world, for all time, past, present, and future, so that he fulfilled what the Scripture has said, he who had no sin became sin. And this agony that he felt when this was placed upon him and the Father looked away, this separation from the Father... Reminds us, I believe, that of something very important that we should remember as Christ followers, and that is that whenever we sin, sin separates us from God. It creates a wall, it creates a separation, and the worst thing that can happen to us is to be separated from God. The prophet Isaiah 59, 2, writing at this point, uh, writing about when this time would occur, said this. He says, your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you. The Father has hidden His face from humanity up until this point in time. And He hid His face from Jesus as He took the sin on the world because... God, the Father, cannot look upon sin. So as painful as the physical cruelty of the cross was, I believe this moment of isolation from the Father during that time hurt Jesus more than anything else could ever have. And just as it was so hard for Jesus to feel that forsakenness, imagine what it must have felt like for the Father to have to turn away from his son, his sinless son, as the ultimate price was paid for us. Listen to Isaiah again. Isaiah 53 says this, Surely he, Jesus the Messiah, took upon himself our infirmities, carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Christ not only paid the price for the sins of those who were gathered there at the foot of the cross, not only for those who were not at the cross like those who had abandoned him, but the price he paid went all the way into the past, the present, and all the way into the future. God's justice requires that there has to be a price for all those sins throughout every generation past present and future and when you think about what your sin and my sin caused Christ to go through not only physically but also spiritually I don't believe there's a way that you cannot hate sin if you truly love Christ you've got to hate sin you've got to hate what he had to experience that day to take all the sins of the world upon himself that separation that separation from the father caused him to cry out in agony now you know all of us at one point or another in our life goes through some periods of separation uh... it may be uh, it simply has been separated uh, from our parents as we go off to college or go off to the service it could be more serious like the separation of a a married couple that has to go through the tragedy of divorce, or it could be the separation in pain that you feel when one of your loved ones passes away. As much as that separation brings agony to you, think about the agony that was Christ that day when He went through this separation. That moment Christ was separated from His Father so that you would not have to be. It's important for us to remember that at the beginning of creation, we were not separated, that we had this wonderful relationship. Things were as they were supposed to be. Uh, We had this great relationship with our Creator. The first man and woman walked in fellowship with the Creator in the midst of the beautiful creation He had created. But then they were obedient and sinned, disobedient and sinned. And when they sinned, that fellowship, that intimacy with God was broken. And we know we, in Genesis it says that after this happened, we're told that when they would hear the Lord God coming, they would hide from Him. They went from intimacy with Him and looking to forward to their walks with Him to hiding from Him they knew they had done wrong and thanks to that disobedience the relationship with God from that point until until Jesus had been broken and ruined and for all humanity we probably had no idea if it ever be restored listen to how Paul describes this in Romans 519 Paul says for just as through the disobedience of the one man Adam, many all the rest of us were made sinners so also through the the obedience of one man, the many, all the rest of us will be made righteous through the sinless Jesus, through the perfect obedience of Christ and his act of taking the sin of the world upon himself, that relationship now between God and and humankind has been repaired. Which means a lot of things. It means that we can now be in fellowship again with our Lord. It also means that we don't have to let past sins keep control over us. It means that we are forgiven, and the relationship has been restored, and we must not uh, live in the past and in the past uh, sin, sin that we were in we can seek because of this relationship being repaired we can seek a new, new fellowship with the father that comes through this relationship because we trust in Christ and believe that he did bore our sins on the cross and that makes us righteous in God's eyes In other words, when God sees you now, He sees Jesus' righteousness. He sees that righteousness, and He imparts it to you. He he says, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt because of the obedience of the man Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9, Paul further says this, To help us understand how important this is, Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you can make that confession and you believe in your heart that God did raise him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't see a clear statement in the Scripture about how this has been imparted to us as a benefit from this point on, from the point of Jesus on the cross until even now. And that benefit is available to anyone who will turn back to God and away from their sin. You see, God wants us to be in fellowship. There's no other way to explain God's love toward us. There's no other way to explain why God continues to come to us and seek us out. Maybe He wants to once again walk with us in the garden of His creation. Because of this great love for us that God in Christ has exhibited, we see and understand that we don't have to go through that separation because Christ did it for us on the cross. He experienced the worst of the human condition. And in our first scripture lesson that Sylvia read to us from Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that we now have A high priest, a minister, however you want to look at it, who is is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That one that was without sin became sin for us in that moment in time to save us. You know, it's important maybe also for us to be reminded this day once again that sin is still sin. Sin is still the evil one's way of trying to separate you from God. It hasn't changed all that much really from biblical times. It might look different on the outside because we live in such a technologically advanced age. But the evil one has learned how to even use our technology to snare us And the bottom line is, no matter what sin might look like, on the inside, it's the same. It's the same old lie. Sin brings separation from God. Christ brought our relationship with God back into a right way. I believe there is nothing worse than being separated from God. There's nothing that can be worse for our human condition because those who choose to walk through life not in relationship with God, those who choose to walk through life not accepting what Christ has done for them on the cross, not accepting God's commands to love one another, God's commands to be baptized and to share in communion, God's command to show forgiveness, not accepting the authority and the witness of Christ's holy church that he established by his own hand. All these actions are willful actions, and people who willfully act that way are like dead men walking because they are walking this earth separated from God and will be separated from God forever. It's important just once more for me to repeat this and to say this to you. Up until this point in time, Christ had never experienced a separation from God the Father. We know repeatedly in Scripture that Christ would go away and spend time in fellowship with the Father. We know that He went away sometimes alone, sometimes He took other disciples with Him. I believe that his strong fellowship and connection with the Father strengthened him, enabled him to live a sinless life. We must never forget that Christ was not only divine, but human. And in his humanness, he was tempted. In disobedience, he, he could have had, but he didn't because of his strengthening through the Father. And so that strengthened and enabled him to be obedient even unto the cross, as the Scripture says. It allowed him to hang there and to be and to suffer the to suffer the, first, the loss of his friends and his mother and his his life. But he had never faced separation from the Father until this moment, when he who had no sin became sin. And it's at that moment that he, crawled, he called out, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about all the filth and dirt and dirt. And just think about sin being thrust upon such a pure and holy, holy person. And no wonder he cried out in a feeling of forsakenness. But the good news is, for us, is that He did. That He was obedient to the cross. He did have all the sins thrust upon Him. He did experience the worst experience of the human condition, of forsakenness. And how can anyone, looking upon this scene, I I just, I, I just can't grasp it. And I think the, the the people who are out of, in the world who are who commit evil acts and who who are who who are so far away from God who are separated from God, I believe in all my heart that if we can just carry them the word and to hear this story, they have to respond to it. How can you question Christ's love for you or for me? I pray that we will never forget the pain of the cry in that statement from Christ on the cross. We've got to think about this progression. And I hope, if I've done one thing at all in this sermon series, uh, is to help you see the progression. When Christ was first hung on the cross, He looked around and He thought about forgiveness for those in front of Him and for all of us forever. Father, forgive them. He repeated the promise that is available to everyone who comes to the Lord and that is paradise is your reward to be with me, to no longer have a broken relationship, to have a restored relationship in the paradise of a new creation. (laughs) And then as his life began to seep out of him, of course, he, he felt the pain of the loss of his mom and now at this moment the father had to turn away so the sins could be thrust upon him this forsaken moment and I think you're gonna see with the last few statements that come from the cross the whole change in the demeanor I believe that from that point until he died, I believe that even though Christ knew the promises that the Father had made to him, I believe he, at that point, until he died and rose again, I believe that he felt the forsakenness. And probably it caused every bit of faith for him to come out of him for him to finalize the last few statements i know that we will be looking at them because the end of our lord's agony is near as we wait at the foot of the cross with him amen the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty Eternal God, one God, now and forevermore. May they be yours this day and each day. Amen.